0: When it comes to EVE Online, every player wants to know the most effective tactic available. You want to know the meta. The meta controls everything. It determines what will and will not happen. Knowing the meta
1: will alter your views, make you question your reality.
0: It might even make you laugh.
1: And now you're part of it. You're watching The Meta Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Meta Show. I should say, welcome back. To the Meta Show. I know it feels like we have not been here for a long time. Yeah. And that's kind of not wrong. It's kind of not wrong. Today is September we- the 16th, 2023. It is the first day of Oktoberfest. We are in fall now, in my opinion. When we hit Oktoberfest in Munich, then it's like, that's that's like when fall starts. So it's kind of like, you know what? I'm ready for fall. It was a, it was a little bit. It was a titty bit nipply outside today. Just a bit got cold this morning. I was putting I put on a sweatshirt to take the dog out so uh, we're kind of at the end of the year. What that means is all of the summertime meta show typical issues of baseball games and kids sports and weddings and family things is all over because it's the fall and no one's not going outside anymore. so we're back and we should be on our normal regular schedule unless something crazy comes up here for the next couple of months until we start season five in November. And then we'll see. So Marcus, how are you, sir?
0: Hello, Brisk. I'm well, I'm well. I, uh, I'm so happy you're back. Uh, it It has been, it has been a challenging couple of weeks, I think, uh, between our time off and then intermittent shows and doing, doing CSM stuff. It's been, it's been a lot. I will not deny it. But you you are right. This is the best. This is my favorite time of year.
1: Mine I too. Mention,
0: I was mentioning this to somebody just a couple of you know, when I was younger, I was in the marching band at my high school. I was a drummer. Me and too. One of my fondest memories growing up was waking up on a brisk fall morning. Brisk fall morning. Uh, and going out uh for for rehearsals or practices or what have you shows and I was up, uh, I was in Indianapolis last week for my youngest brother's wedding, and I was staying with some lovely friends of mine. One of those friends was actually the guy who got me into Eve back in 2006, so shout out to my boy Justin, he's a homie, um, and uh, in the morning before I, I left to go to the wedding, his wife was kind enough to make me a cup of coffee, I'm the way out the door, uh, and you know I, for a few minutes i just kind of stood out in their driveway it was you know a chilly fall morning um sun was just starting to come up there was a little bit of you know a little bit of 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 chill in the air and sitting there with a, cu- a cup of hot coffee and i decided this is this is how man was intended to live this that is if it correct. could be this this weather the entire year that would just be just the best that's um, what i'm talking
1: about i'm a big yeah. fan. Oh yeah, love it. So this has been a rough week for me. Uh, I don't think it's it's kind of been rough for Mark too, and the main reason for that is CSM voting concluded on Monday. Yeah, and yeah, now he has to wait. The waiting, waiting an entire week. He has an entire more another week. He has to wait until we get CSM results during the opening ceremony of FanFest starting next Friday. Oh, this Friday, I should say.
0: Well, and CCP Swift is just loving this. He loves yeah. this shit, man. <laughs> he loves it. He knows. He knew. He said, so he said day one. He's like, I'm not gonna look up the results. I'm not gonna know ahead of time. Like, uh, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do any of that. That would, you know, I don't know if I could handle it. And that motherfucker knew the next day he they closed the (laughs) voting booths and he he scurried away to his hovel with like the sacks of ballots under his under his arm just to go count those bastards up he he has known immediately
1: he was probably he probably knew the day of i'm sure he ran the numbers i mean how could you not i mean you have all that stuff you want to he wants to know who he's going to be working with for the next uh you know year plus he's (laughs) got to figure out they've got to decide who the two ccp chosen people are going to be that so it's not like he could ignore it. He has to He has to go and do it. He has work to do. He has to figure out who's going to be on the CSM. And now, he has even
0: more work to do this year. And I know you're about to get into this. But a ton of because, work to do this year. Yeah, because voting was high, Brisk. Voting and was that very is, high. And that is,
1: that is it. We, we do not have uh, a graphic or anything for this, but we have had it confirmed by CCP Swift to the CSM candidates. And then it was later, I believe, posted on Reddit, but I'm not sure if it was mm-hmm. on Reddit or not. But I know it was posted publicly, so this is not NDA material. That this was the third, or actually the fourth, fourth. highest yeah, the fourth. vote total in the history of the CSM. Over 45,000 votes, close to 48,000 votes were cast. How is it possible? I, like, I don't know. I mean, this is the thing. I th- Even during the height of World War B, uh, during the height of the Vietnam War, uh, we didn't have turnout that high, and if you go and I'll, I'll pull this up on the screen so we can show you the, the turnout numbers over here. So the lowest turnout, and I'll uh, let me let me center this and make it a little bit bigger for you guys so you can see it, because I think I just find this fascinating, and uh, maybe you don't, but if you don't, we'll get to that in a minute. So the the lowest turnout for the CSM ever was CSM two. Which was in 2008. No surprise. 20,000 votes. Now, this, I have to say, this was back during when CSM terms were six months long. And so they had just had the first CSM turnout, which was 24,000 right here. Uh, and then they went, turned around, and did another one like that. I think one of the reasons why they should ch- change the format from every CSM being uh, six months long to them moving it to, to a year was largely probably because of the turnout. So CSM 5 started the turnout. CSM 5 started the era of the single-year CSMs, and boom, the turnout goes to 39,000, which is great. Now, the last couple of years have not been excellent years for the CSM. If you look over here, this is CSM 17, our current CSM, 30,000 votes. CSM 15, 36,000. CSM six sixteen 16 was 38,000. This was during the height uh, or like right around when Vietnam was still a, a, a thing. This was right before it started. Yeah. Uh, and the numbers went up by about 2000, which was not significant. So then you're going to, you're going to slot, you know, CSM 18 right here into that spot, right below CSM six, CSM six, eight, seven, and eight were the highest turnout CSMs. Those were, Obviously makes sense. That is the height of the game was 2011 to 2013 or so. And you had the summer of rage that happened during that time period. All of that's all of the stuff with uh, with Incarna and the Mitanni as a CSM uh, chairman and all that kind of stuff all happened in that era. And that's when the numbers were through the roof. And we just had CSM 18 bring in the fourth highest. That's uh, pretty interesting. And I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means.
0: So, what's really interesting about this is that if you look at the last two years, you look at CSM 16 and 15. Last year, the or CSM 16, the player count was 29,000 average. And for CSM 17, it's 25,000. So, that number had gone down. And now, last year being low, it's not unexpected. That was that was not a good. It was not a good time for us. Um, but it. I do not unless something is happening during off time zones that I just don't see. I don't know where they're coming up. <laughs> like the, I don't think that our PCU numbers are going up that much. Like I I just I don't. I mean, you're talking about jumping from what what was pull that pull that graphic back up here real quick. Sure, I want to see it one more time because the. Hang on a second. Okay, so the CSM seventeen, the player count was twenty five thousand, with 30 thousand, thirty let's call thirty one thousand votes for CSM seventeen. Okay, we're now looking at on the on the high side, forty seven thousand votes, which if you compare that to another, compare it to like CSM six, CSM eight, you know, in that ballpark, because there hasn't ever been. There's actually a weird gap if you look, because it's like. You go a bunch of 20,000s, there are a couple 30,000s, 30, 31, 36, 38, 39. Then it jumps immediately to 40. So there's not ever been any space in there, like in the middle. Right. right. But like 60, some eight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So do we have 45,000 active players? Cause it sure doesn't fucking look like that. So one so of the, <laughs> the
1: real question is where these numbers come from. And I think Tough yeah. true staying guy is a hundred percent correct. There's been a lot of lot of conversation. What does this mean? Who, 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 is, who is making up these votes? And I'll tell you, I, I'm, I'm firmly of the opinion that CCP finally putting out the three-day Omega weekend pack where you spend like $3.99 and you get to play for three days. That Omega's your account. That's enough to be able to vote a lot of alts. That is something that we did not have last year, that we have not had in the past, and I think that definitely made for far more people playing and being able to vote this time than had been able to in the past. And I, I doubt that this is going to be a major source of new nullsec votes, but I'm 100% sure that it'll be a benefit to the smaller mid-sized guys, to the wormhole community like you, Mark, no. and others who that- have been out there campaigning that have been in the middle space between the top of the CSM, like the top vote getters and the big NullSec alliances and the big names like Mike Azariah and then all everybody else. So we'll see how this plays out next week. Yeah. I don't know. Now
0: it's, it's, it's certainly interesting.
1: So I want to say last week's show. And I mean, but I mean last week we had a show last Tuesday night, Mm -hmm. Uh, not, not, not this week, not this week, but the week before Tuesday night. We were out last week because Mark was uh, at a wedding. Wedding, yeah. So it was slightly controversial, and I think anytime the show becomes controversial enough that we get a Reddit post about it, I like to talk about it. Because, one, first of all, one, if you ever have critiques or stuff that you don't like about the show or you do like about the show or whatever, please, please take them to Reddit. I love it. I love it. it, There is no better free advertising for this show than you bitching about us on Reddit. A little bit of a a a
0: slut for drama, Brisky. Always.
1: I am 100%.
0: Okay. So
1: we get this post, and it's from Zealous Ideal Hair 42, which is a straight up created. Yeah. Reddit name, so I don't know who this guy is. He may or may not be a long-term player, but he says he likes the show. He says I like the meta show. I accept a lot of its propaganda, but it's hey, but hey, it's a goon show, so that's okay. It fills an hour of my weekly drives. That's what we hope. I hope that you guys enjoy listening to the show, even if you can't watch it live. That said, the latest show on the CSM makes me hope for a completely new set of faces on the CSM. The way the show talks about votes and the arrogance of we know X Y Z is secure analyzing everyone and mocking other Alliance choices. It makes it come across like the CSM as a boys club and people who've been associated with it for a while, get to dictate who should be on the CSM. Are these people really the best candidates for the game? Happy to hear otherwise. Now I was surprised that that was the tone because I didn't think anything we talked about during that CSM show was that crazily controversial. Cause we've gone over this many, many times on this show. We've, we've, we've talked about, we talk about the CSM. We talk about the horse race aspect of it. Generally speaking, we'll do a show where we have Imperium candidates on. We did a Brady Bunch show that had everybody that was running from the CSM on in the Imperium one year. It was like seven people. Three of us got elected. There's three goons right now on the CSM. I was in, in it before I was a goon, so two and a half. And we talk about how the voting goes because we, we watch this stuff, and we know, generally speaking – how it takes to get elected, what it takes to get elected, who tends to get elected, who's got the juice. So I would just like to say, for those who th- who who thought last week's show was off, like the tone was off, or we were being really heavy-handed and arrogant about our ability to get people elected or which seats are safe or that kind of stuff, I just want to say, eat my ass.
0: Yeah, I, I've got... Three things to say about this Uh, and I actually said almost all of them in my comment further down on this um, in this thread the first one is in terms of uh, talking about knowing who is secure who isn't secure like so much of that is just following trends right like it is reasonable to assume based on prior voting trends that whoever is number one on the uh, in it ballot, or not the in it ballot, sorry, well, the in it ballot for sure, the goon ballot, the uh, the horde ballot, and the fraternity ballot are all pretty safe bets. Like, those people vote, they vote frequently, uh, they um, vote in an organized manner. So, like, yes, if it looks front, I mean, if you're frustrated that these groups, these null sec groups, Are always getting their people onto the csm that would be why because they vote they release the ballot everybody vote votes as the state dictates that's just the way it is and so people always counter with well there should be better representation of of you know high sec or wormhole space or low sec or whatever and the the part of that is the numbers don't quite work out for other regions of space we were lucky this year we actually had halfway decent representation Um, even within null sec, there was, you know, a lot of, a lot of people who were in a lot of different play styles. Um, and we had a low sec and a worm which was cool. Um, you know, but in terms of the, of this high sec representation that people are always clamoring for, if high sec has the players to do it, they certainly don't have the organization to do it. And that's why it doesn't get done. So I, I, if, if that feels like, you know, Rubbing it in about how you don't have enough players to get X, XYZ done, then okay, but that's just horseshit. All it is and, is looking at trends,
1: and that's exactly. I mean, and and the bottom line is, we've looked at at the numbers that we've put up in past elections, and here's yeah. the deal. Goons have been able to get more people elected to the CSM than any other organization in the history of EVE Online. Okay, period. Mm-hmm. Nineteen people, nineteen different people that were members of Goon Swarm either during the time that they were on the CSM, before, after, whatever, have been elected to the CSM. Pandemic Legion, another NOLSEC big block alliance, 11 different people. In it, four. Test, four. Horde, two. Brave, four. Like, this is the deal. Like, I'm sorry that you don't like facts, but I'm not being arrogant and I'm not being condescending when i say that we know how to get people elected because we do. Yeah. So when we look at the math and we're trying to figure out why people made the decisions that they did, putting people in different slots on different ballots, those types of things. And that that's that's really what i think is the interesting part of the CSM. What i don't find interesting is a lot of what i think the average player expects during the CSM process. And what do you mean by that, Brisk? All right, here, here, Brisk is going to get on his soapbox. Oh, I've told you guys this before, and I, I will keep repeating it until it, 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 at least I think it becomes 100% clear. As a focus group, even an elected focus group, the CSM has essentially as much power as it can aggregate to itself. Well, how, what do you mean by that, Brisk? This is all soft power. It's about persuasion. It's about people thinking that you're credible, people liking what you have to say, people enjoying talking to you, people trusting your judgment, trusting that you're doing the right thing. It's a lot of intangible interpersonal skill type stuff that makes the best CSM members. In addition to my three cardinal rules for being on the CSM, which is one, show up. Number one, just show up. Hmm. Two, do the work. Three, don't be an asshole. And if you do all of those things, you'll be a good CSM member. And we spend a ton of time, a ton of time. I, I went back and watched some of the CSM interviews that CCP Swift and others did. A ton of time talking about stuff like, what do you think needs to be changed in the game? And what do you think, what do you like about this? And what do you think is the biggest issue facing this and whatever? And we're going to talk about that stuff later in the show, because that's the kind of thing that a couple of Eve nerds can sit around a bar and having an adult beverage can talk about. But for a CSM, it's not that important because the chances of you getting your pet projects even looked at is so low that I'd rather hear more about you as a person. What do you like? What do you do? How do you interact with people? How do you how do you show you know that you have the ability to work in a group and that you have the ability to be at least like you're going to be someone that's going to be positive thinking that you're going to have a good time you're going to talk to these guys or on the rest of the CSM talk to the other gentlemen and ladies on the CSM that you have to work with that you're going to work well with them how demonstrate to me that you're capable of doing that mm. and if you can't do that or and, and some of it starts with just like normal stuff like showing up on a camera uh, on camera when you're doing an eve stream or having a good speech when when they ask you a question being able to, like not having to have poor ccp with pulled teeth like that to me shows me much more about whether someone is going to be a good CSM than how many paragraphs they can write about ECM modules and whether they're broken.
0: Well, I mean, it's just like the, what we do is a, it's a communication game, right? Like we more than anything else act as a medium by which CCP interacts with the community, right? They point, you know, they, they poke us anytime they want to see what the temperature is. Right they want to know how will the community react to this what is the potential backlash to this issue like how what what do people think we should do in this you know in this venue to to change the game somehow or to uh, modify some existing play style to make it either more balanced or 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 buff something or whatever right so the aside from anything else you have to be able to communicate adeptly <laughs> Like, I, and I don't like, that always feels like kind of an asshole thing to say. Cause like, it's not just, it's not like you need to be charismatic, right? There are plenty of, of people who have, you know, worked with the CSM who have worked with CCP, who I would not label as charismatic. They're just, that's just not their vibe, right? So you don't need to come out and be swanging all the time. You just have to be able to form your thoughts coherently. And then translate those thoughts into either a form that CCP can digest or just words and then tell them to somebody and they can digest them that way. Right. Like it doesn't, it doesn't need to just be, you know, you know, I'm the most knowledgeable person in this area of space and therefore yada yada yada. It's so much more of like I'm able to take this message to the people who it needs to go to. Um, and I'm willing to do the work to get it there, right? So yep. I the other thing I wanted to mention too speaking of the show last week and one of the criticisms of it was people were talking about how we were making fun of some of the other balance and okay Listen to me when I tell you this this game is a lot more fun when people are mean to each other I don't know how else to say it
1: at it, least like, it's, it's true the drama I don't is know how the to, fun
0: I don't know how else to say it like I'm not it, don't get me wrong anybody i'd say like 99.9 percent of people who i meet in game i would happily willingly and have done so on several different occasions sit down and at a bar have an adult beverage talk about you know talk shop talk sports whatever but like if you're in game you're a bastard right and that's just That's why the game is fun. Like the game is, uh, that's Chuck why. Cassie
1: in chat says it best. The yes. game needs conflict, conflict. in order to, to survive. So sometimes we have to generate conflict and yeah. I have no problems generating conflict. I'm about to generate yeah. some conflict right now for you. Yes, yes. Okay. Like just
0: like, you because... know, if, if, if you're getting bullied a little bit in local, like you are playing the game correctly. That's all. That's all I had to say about that.
1: This is. Go ahead. So, no, no, I, and and I, I don't want to belabor the CSM stuff because I know a lot of people think it's boring as shit, and I agree, it usually is boring as shit. It carries more about when, when we have something to talk about, Eve-wise, we will. What are we going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock this last segment out, and then we're going to talk about the rest of the stuff that's going on because there's some stuff that I do want to talk about that I think is fundamental to the future of the game that we need to, to start talking about more now. Maybe the CSM will talk about it in the future, but I don't care about that because I'm off of the CSM in a week and a half. Thank you, Jesus. But the bottom line is, There's a little bit of drama, and I want to highlight it. And here's the thing. And I'm going to lecture again, because I like to lecture. I'm good at Mm, lecturing. I'm I'm settling in. When you are on the CSM, you're going to be on with a bunch of people from other groups. And you're going to have to get along with them. And I say that having served with Gobbins, having served with Billy. I came on the show for a year and, and, and totally roasted Billy's nuts over a fire every week to the point that he didn't want to talk to me anymore. But when we were on the CSM together, we still we still talked and 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 we had a working relationship, even though I knew he hated my cuts. Since then, we patched it up. He's been back on the show. We're buddies again. No, no harm, no foul. A lot of that stuff. It just was a question of time. You get a couple of years away from it, and you're like, why were we so mad at each other? But I will say this. After the last CSM show, Horde decided to double down oh on their. The goons are trying to nerf the NPC drone regions. You need to vote to stop the goons. Line of false news. It's fake news. And it's, it's really bad form, in my opinion, because Alcoholic Satan is going to win. He's going to be on the CSM. Okay. And I'm not, that's not me being arrogant. This is fact. They have the votes. If he doesn't make it, I will be shocked. And the bottom line is, I'm sorry, but you know whether you you don't like it or not, facts don't have feelings, and and they don't care about your feelings. And you may not like that some seats are considered safe and some are not, but it's simply true. Kazanier will win. Alcoholic Satan will win. Luke will win. They just they have the votes. They have the people and the votes, and they always have. Horde can can get somebody elected. Fraternity can get somebody elected. Goons can get somebody elected. And the scoreboard, I've shown you the scoreboard. So Alcoholic like Satan has the audacity, it sends out this, not just a ping on Discord, but this was an eve mail to the entire pandemic horde family, which is how I got it, because like everyone else, I have a horde-all. It says, Hostiles, kindly producing some of the best campaign material we could hope for. Remember when Gobbins told you these people are trying to get CCP to do their jobs for them and nerf our homeland? Check the following clips and I'll play the clips for you. Jabronis panicking because after many years, we managed to build up regions with the worst loot in the game and made them prosperous, matching or surpassing the hostels' vaunted economy. Now they're so embarrassed about being called out that they spent an entire 20 minutes screeching about our ballot during their show. They spent less than 10 discussing their own ballot. Absolutely rent free. Okay. Now, here is what we said last week about the drone region stuff. This is what we said. There is one person, one person on the CSM who has made multiple arguments over the years to get NPC space in the drone regions, not just in the drone regions, but in every area of NULSEC that doesn't have NPC space. That person has served multiple terms. He has done PowerPoint presentations a la Angry Mustache style to CCP on the subject. He has pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And that person is me. And that's what I said. And then I asked Kaz if he had done anything regarding NPC space in the drone regions or anywhere else in NULSEC. He said no. But then I asked Angry, and of course, because Angry is a contrarian like a nominate, He's going to fail to notice what I was trying to do. And he answers the question truthfully, but not in my opinion correctly, because I can't recall a single time that he brought this up. He's not done it. He's, he's not. In fact, I don't even know if you've done it this year. Like maybe I think I brought it up at the summit one time, but I know I have brought it up in the past, but so he angry says, (laughs) let me ask a question. Angry mustache. Have you spent any time this year arguing in favor of NPC space in the drone regions? Yes. How but much? Not, uh,
0: it's not uh, a decent amount, but it's not my thing. Let me ask you yeah.
1: a question. So he said, it's not a decent amount. It's not the focus of his campaign. Now, I, again, I can't recall him a single time talking about it, but he says he did, and that's fine. But he's also a contrarian and, and blew up my line of, line of reasoning, which at least one person on Reddit caught, and I appreciate that you saw where I was going with it, because it frustrated me. That this is the line of attack that alcoholic Satan and the and gobbins and these guys are putting out because it's really not true, and they didn't listen to the rest of what I said, which I will play again here just so you guys have it in case you missed the Tuesday show. That person has served multiple terms. This is because I want to have a kickoff right. place so we can go invade the drone ranch multiple years trying to get npc space in the drone regions and it's not just so we can dread bomb them the way that they dread bomb us whenever our guys are running crab beacons in 39p or running them in 1dq and it's not just because i want to have a kickoff place so we can go invade the drone ranch the bottom line is when i'm out on a roam and i got to go to the drone regions the one thing i can guarantee is i'm gonna have to go 100 fucking jumps or wait a filament time to get out of there to get anywhere where i can get a station where i can go repair or just dock up for a little while take Mm -hmm. a piss there should be no room regions in this game that are so safe and by safe i mean totally ownable and excludable that anybody that roams in your space should never be able to find a place to take a piss that's what i was talking about okay that's what i was talking about so the whole the whole concept that you need to rile up your base of voters to get them to show up by mischaracterizing the opposition and putting words in the mouth of two people that you're going to have to work with when you get elected. Not the best idea, okay? Not the best idea. And frankly, I think this is one of the reasons why I was upset and why we taunted Horde so bad last week on the show was because They put this guy, Alcoholic Satan, in the number one slot. Unless you are a super crab in Horde, you've never heard of this guy. He didn't go on camera during a CCP interview. I never heard him on another show ever in my entire life. And he's out here calling us jabronis and other people that he knows he has to work with. Man, it would have been nice if Storm Delay was number one on the ballot because, hey, I like Storm. He's a good guy. Yeah, man, it makes me sad. Like, yeah. And if Storm loses because they put this fucking idiot in, in number one and Mark and the rest of these guys have to work with him, I'm sorry. I feel bad for you. I don't know what, what, what Gobbins was thinking. Just saying.
0: We have enjoyed a really good year working with <laughs> working with Storm Delay. Uh, I, I can't say enough good things about him, man. He's he's you know I, I always talk about he was the uh, he was the guy who rushed to my aid when some fucking crazy drunken Icelandic dude tried to break my arm in in Reykjavik. But uh, you know there have been over the last year that you know we've had plenty of learning curves. I think um, myself uh, perhaps most of all um yeah because i'm not an all guy i don't i don't really understand the meta or a lot of the mechanics um you know having spent a, a single year living in all um but storm delay has at no point ever hesitated to be helpful and courteous and patient and considerate and you know i, I have
1: and uh, he's had no problems telling me when I'm wrong or telling Kaz when he's wrong or angry when he's, when he's, he's
0: wrong. wrong or Mark when he's wrong. Or CCP when they're
1: wrong. I've gotten I mean, into it with him because we've gone back and forth on stuff. So it's not like he's some pushover or like a goon friend or something. He's doing his job. Yeah, I just I don't understand why, you know, you have a, you have an incumbent CSM who's built relationships who everybody pretty much likes and you stick him number two on your ballot but then you don't cut the deals that you would need with the other groups to really make him number two to make a, a possible thing. And then you stick to this, this random guy in the front who's doing everything wrong, as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's just...
0: Honestly, us complimenting Storm Delay is probably hurting him. Internally. I know, right?
1: I should I say yeah. Storm's awful. We hate him. You yeah, should, Storm you should never sucks, put him dude. on the top of the list. It's don't throw Storm he's, in that briar patch. He's, he's, he's a monster. He... He encouraged that man to break my arm. Exactly. He was was a bad person. So, in any event, so that's enough CSM talk. I don't want to talk about CSM anymore. We have other things we want to talk about. So, one of the things that we missed, and I want to highlight this because I think it's interesting. We've talked a lot on this show over the years. You know what? I'm going to, I'm actually, we're going to, we're going to go straight up. This is, this is our Nullsec Power Hour because this is about Nullsec stuff. Mark, I'm sorry. It might be a little bit. It's not all. It. Some of it is, but we're going to go an also power hour because I want to. I want to do a hard reboot. And get off the CSM. Send it on August thirtieth, which was about two and a half weeks ago. We saw one of the biggest fights in Eve in quite a long time. It was over a random iHub timer in Pure Blind. This is part of the ongoing. Never-ending quagmire that is the renter war in the north between Fraternity and B2, along with and some Imperium and Horde uh, help on, on either side. Tech A, B, S8. Unfortunately, this was during EU time zone. I was not there, which makes me mad, but I'm also happy because I would have lost a dread. Uh, this was probably the biggest fight of the year so far. Nearly 5000000000000 isk trillion-esque lost. No, over five and, now. Uh, say that again.
0: I'm pretty sure it's over five now. Or is is it, over, is it, it, it might be over
1: five now. This 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 is an old battle report. I think that I got yeah. from that day. Tons of zerns. I know that had the the zernitra losses had to like grab you in the gut there. Right? Are you, oh, like you like it? That, no, man, you like it? No, man. I happy. fucking
0: love it, dude. I'm, I was into this. They. Uh, I saw some of the videos. I got roped into. Uh, not roped into. I volunteered to host. Um, the cesspool show the other day, and they had a couple of the the horde guys on, talking about the the how they you know organized this, and uh they post a bunch of videos. And watching all the zerns come in all at once and just start to was huh satisfying. The only 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 shame about it was they all have fucking shitty ass skins. So there you go.
1: What do you got to do? So and I, unfortunately, that's the CCP thing. We're working on it. We're trying to fix this. So yes, uh, Imperium. And friends and B2 and in it, uh, we did a little bit of a feed, just a bit, just a, you know, what's what's 4 trillion-esque among friends, right? Not a big deal. But you look at the numbers, and this was a crazy fight. And it was the first major fight since, I think, uh, faction dreads were introduced. First major fight since the T2 Lancer dreads were introduced. But look at these numbers. Zernitras, 73 Zernitras loss, over 100 fielded. Rev navies, tons of red nav, rev navies. Horde brought mm-hmm. an absurd amount of red navies, rev navies here,
0: 141.
1: Yeah. And they lost, they only lost four. We brought 31 and we lost most of them. All the revs, almost every revelation that the Imperium brought died. Almost every Naglfar on both sides died. So I'll tell you what, if you want a dread that's going to die, don't buy a Naglfar, Okay. <laughs> now, I like the set fact the Phoenixes and the Phoenix navies were not fielded very much, but they also didn't die very much. I mean, half half of uh Hordes and, and and the and and the and the fraternity phoenixes died. Only one of the Phoenix navies died. Most of the Phoenix navies on the goon side died. Most of the Phoenixes died over here. Now, Mark, do you see anything? Look, look at all of these capital ships on mm. here. Okay.
0: Yeah. Look at all these well, capital see, ships. I see triage spawned. down there. I see a couple. I see some carriers.
1: Look at that. Yep. Couple there are carriers carriers in here. Yeah. There are faxes yeah. in here. There are dreadnoughts. Mm-hmm. There are faction dreadnoughts and regular dreadnoughts. Yeah. There's yeah. a number of things that I think it's important to talk about that are missing from mm. this battle report. Okay. Mm. And this is a 5 trillion plus is battle report. Yeah. How many people there per is, side?
0: Seventeen hundred per side.
1: Yeah, I mean, we had almost there were almost thirty five. There were over more than thirty five hundred people in this fight. Okay, over or for the thirty five hundred characters in this fight. So mm-hmm. probably at least a 1, 1,500 people were involved in this. Yep. There is not a single lancer dread on this on this killmail, and I think that's probably because we're still trying to figure out where they fit in the meta. Mm-hmm. But more importantly. And I think more disastrously for the future of this game, not a single super, not a single super carrier, not a single Titan on this battle report. They were not fielded. Now, why weren't they fielded? Well, first of all, one, because Initiative and Imperium have not moved supers up to the war zone. And Brave Super Fleet is not nearly as big as, as ours is, but we don't have super big ships up there. We didn't bring Titans. We didn't bring super carriers up there. We have brought dreads and other assorted ships beyond that. And since we didn't escalate, there was no need for Horde and the guys to escalate. And so there were no super carriers or Titans on this list. And I think this highlights something that I want to talk about because of all the, of all the, the big issues that I think the game faces one of the biggest, at least in NullSec, is trying to define what is endgame content for the endgame player, okay? Yeah. Now, I hate talking about endgame content in a game like EVE because it has no end. The only way for you to win EVE and our parlance is to quit playing. You just decide I'm not playing anymore, then you've won. You won EVE. Apex content. It's Apex it. content. You can call it Apex Predator content. You call it Apex content. You call it the, the top tier, the top of the pyramid, you know, the most expensive type stuff, whatever you want to call it. Mm. But in NullSec, for the longest time, and I would say from the advent of the first Titans that were then used as alliance-level assets to dominate regions and prove that you were the biggest swinging dick out there on the block... To today, Titans and Supercarries have been the the big stick that all of these big NullSec alliances have used as a way of demonstrating that they've got the power in the game. And we Mm. live for these big-ass, giant Titan brawls. And we remember them. The names are like, they're for for most NullSec players, they're household words: Asakai, BTAC-R, X-47, M-2. You know, just the names of the system. These are it. This is this is the kind of thing that a lot of these a lot of players play for in Eve. And the goal is, all right, I'm going to learn the game. I'm going to play the game and have fun. I'm going to go on my fleets, and then when I'm not on fleets, I'm going to go mine. I'm going to go rat. I'm going to make money so that I can fit out my first super carrier. I can fit out my first titan. Or I can get this and I can get that. And this whole scene exploded post 2016 when. A couple of factors came together that made it more possible for more people to get these big ships. First was Citadels, Mm -hmm. because Citadels gave you a place to park a Titan, so you could have a Titan on your main. You didn't have to have a secondary Titan character. You could have a Titan on your main. If you had a Titan on on a secondary character, you could get another one on your main. So that that was number one, keep stars. Number two, skill injectors. Before, you had to buy a character off the bazaar and hope somebody was willing to sell you a character that had all these skills or that had been training them for the years it takes mm-hmm. to get perfect skills to fly these ships. Now, with skill injectors, you could do it on your own, and that exploded the number of people that could have alts that, and exploded the number of people that could that could spin up entire fleets of rock walls and stuff to go mine to get these ships or spin up a whole bunch of carriers and, and other ships to go get the IS to get these ships made it possible to do all this stuff. So from that time period on, that was a big deal. And it got to the point where a lot of people were complaining that there are too many, too many Titans, too many supers. And we got to nerf the hell out of them. Right. And that was a big deal. But the reality is that type of fun was fun for a lot of people. And it kind of got a lot of eyeballs on this game. And it's, it's, it, when you don't see these big fights and when you when you see people actively choosing not to, to escalate beyond dreads or escalate beyond these ships, you got to ask yourself, what's wrong? What's going on? And I'll show you. So on Reddit, this was a couple of weeks ago, and I I, I got to give this guy credit. Shin, Shinyo kasataste posted capital loss over the years, and he went and did the numbers and generalized them uh, based off of what was on Z-Kill. And if you notice, the numbers of all capital ships, losses have been going way down. Mm-hmm. 2018 was the apex for losing all of these ships dreads, carriers, orcas. You got freighters here, you got faxes, rorks. And then, of course, in the bottom, you had titans and supers and things like that. Like, there was never a time where there was a ton of those dying. But, but I'll show you, it gets to, when you look at this granularly, Granularly, you're going to see a lot of, of of changes that I think are kind of sad. But we had tons of people flying these ships and tons of people dying in these ships. This was what this was the height of the whaling time period. Now, I know, 2018, 20, 2017, 2018, 2019, this was the apex of farms and fields. This is when the Roqueville era was at its height, when people were mining absurd amounts and people were making... Tons of risk, and the Delve time unit was a, was a thing, and you had people getting into Titans in months, whereas it took years before it was a huge deal. And at the same time, you had a ton of people playing the game and a lot of stuff dying, but people complained so loud and long that it was a bad thing about it that, that, that it got nerfed. So what happens? Well, here's the losses of industrial ships since major changes. They made a ton of changes to... Rourke Walls in the 2019 time period when I was on the CSM because they, they thought that it was unsustainable what the Rourke was able to do. So what? look at this. The numbers are in the toilet. Down from a high of, of something like 25, 2,600 uh, you know, Rourkes a year down to fewer than 500. That's crazy. And the same goes mm-hmm. for all of these other industrial ships. Freighters at the same. I mean, look at the freighters. It's, it's ticking up again because the Lancer dreads. But this was all nerfing of ganking in here. Orca, this was, I think, more of a, of a switch. People just not using it because they could use Rorks again. Rourke's going down because of all of, of the nerfs to them, and that completely changed the way that they work. Jump freighters ticking back up again because of Lancer dreads, but these were some of the safest ships in the game. That's kind of crazy. And then you move on. You look at this is the one that I, freaks me out the most. More than a thousand super carriers died in 2018, more than 250 Titans died. So far in 2023, and the year is three quarters of the way over, we're on pace to hit the lowest lo- numbers of losses for carriers and Titans that we have seen in a long time. Why is that? Well, because they're not being used why aren't they being used well i think why would we all you? know scarcity
0: yeah uh, to your point angry mustache in the within the confines of the super secret csm discord the other day because i asked about it and he had a, a really interesting perspective which is not a unique perspective but it is well said which is why why would you feel the super when you can get nearly the same value out of three or four faction dreadnoughts and not have to spend the money to buy or replace a super. Like, if numbers aren't a problem, cool. Then you can put three P&Is or three Zernitras or three whatever, four or three or four faction dreads on a grid, and it will cost you... I mean, maybe forty billion esque, and what do supers go for now? And God forbid putting fucking titans on grid. Like, I mean, there's just not a reason to. I mean, you can you can replace dreads with some with 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 not nearly as much difficulty as you can replace supers and titans. So why would you use them? There's no point.
1: Bingo. And and the bottom. I mean, the bottom line is when it costs an alliance, say. 50, 60 billion is to replace a hull for us for a Titan. That's one thing. When it costs them a hundred billion is to do that, that's another. And fights like M2 don't happen all the time, but they're less likely to happen today than they were back then. Because one, we're not involved in a massive war right now, but at the same time, scarcity really hadn't it hadn't taken hold, I think, in the in the minds of the average player. How Big an issue it was going to be. How big an issue it was going to be in in dealing with these changes down the road and how that was going to work when when we were trying to replace stuff that we lost. I don't think people realized it yet, but now we do. So the idea that you're going to take supers or titans out, it just it doesn't happen anymore because they're hard to replace, and that's yeah. really the that's the hardest part is recognizing that. There is a fine line between making a ship so cheap that everybody has one and making it so expensive that it's hanger candy and everybody that has one doesn't want to use it because they're scared that they're going to lose it. That's, that's a fine line. It's a fine line, and it's hard. It's hard to walk it. But when you, like Poison Prop says flat out, the bill cost of a Titan is around $180 billion right now. That's it. So where do you see Titans now? You'll have every once in a while some random guy will throw one around because he doesn't give a shit, but that's mm-hmm. rare. 99% of the time you see a Titan in this game, it's on a fort or a keep star, and they're bridging a fleet somewhere, and that's the only use for it. Or structure bashing. Or structure bashing. But even then it's yeah. rare because you never want to get, you know, you know if it's, if, it's an, if it's on the other side, if you're using a carrier, at least you're, you're going to be tethered or near a structure near that other structure. Yeah, nobody's dropping Titans, you know, just to have their ass flapping in the wind, you know, to kill the structure anymore. They just don't do that. So this is, I think, to me, that's a big deal because it takes away from one of the reasons why NullSec is NullSec, because you don't have, you guys don't have Supers and Titans in wormhole space, right? No. You know, you're not allowed to. No. So this is what makes us different is having Supers and Titans. Now, You can have them in low sec. Can't have them in high sec. Can't have them. You can have them in posh they're still there, but I think there's only like one left. I think it's a a fraternity hell or something like that, but there aren't any other ones left. But it's like, and maybe they might have an avatar. I can't remember off the top of my head, but the bottom line is this is what makes null sec different from the rest of the game. And scarcity by changing what it takes to make these ships and how expensive the materials are to get to make these ships have essentially nerfed them out of the game, and that's bad for everybody. It's bad for the folks that own them because they never get to use them. It's bad for the people that aspire to them because they're never going to get there. It's bad for the people that hunt them because there are fewer of them in space to get. I mean, how many people these days could say that they had uh, that they that they've gotten on a, on a on a on a Titan killmail? How many Titan killmails have you been on, Mark? Uh, I don't. Think you're I've gonna pull it up any. you're gonna check yeah i am i can check i, actually... I think i'm on 15 but that's usually because i'm yeah. dead before i get a chance to to do much
0: i'm pretty sure that i have been on almost none and i can tell you yeah i don't think i've been on one nope my highest my my most expensive kills have all been structures and not a single one of them has been a titan and, and that's, you know, that's part of that is just because of, you know, the way I've been playing the game. But the other part, too, is that, like, you know, there's just they've they've done themselves a disservice and they've patched a problem. They they put a band aid over the issue of Apex NullSec Fleet fights with the faction dreadnoughts with Citadels. They've they have created this scenario where uh, people have been able to mitigate some of the the issues that came with not having access to you know supers and titans at any reasonable value um by band-aiding over them with high dps high ehp dreadnoughts which is fine whatever but th- that doesn't <laughs> the problem is that's not people don't just people aren't like oh yeah i want to f- fly the dread i want to fly supers because they have like the biggest number right People want to fly supers. A lot of people want to start. Like, they start out when to fly supers because supers are fucking cool, and Thank like you. Titans, cool. Titans are cool. Like they're cool. Like uh, yeah, you can get a you can get a, a Zernitra to have uh, a, a higher DPS value uh, at the top end probably than a super, um, depending on how it's fit, and, and like awesome, cool. But that like I I think most people would still probably want to fly a Nyx over a, a Zern. Uh, people who aren't me but like they've backed themselves now into a corner where they they have created a game that is not intended or they've created ship they have ships they built for a game that is not the current eve online right the 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 titans and supers that exist in the game today were made for a a game pre citadels pre scarcity pre surgical strike pre all of it pre faction dreadnoughts they exist as relics of a bygone era Bingo. and the few the few instances where they get to play in the game today are just instances where they have they have they are gasping and wheezing and clawing themselves back into relevance but they are not built for the game as it exists in 2023 so the the ccp and that's unless bad. The, it is bad that is bad yeah. unless the developers are willing to do the work to find a place for them either by reimagining them or by changing them somehow to make them relevant and not nearly so fucking expensive. Like then why would you ever undock them? Like there's no point you can get the same. Like I said earlier, you can get the exact same value out of, you know, huge fleets of dreads, which is what people have done because that's not going to break the bank. Even though five trillion is feel like a lot like, Imagine how much more inflated those numbers would have been if there'd been supers on both
1: sides right, so and I, I you know when it comes down to it, the the biggest issue is not so much that I mean I, I will say it's a big issue that these ships aren't being used. yeah, but one of the problems that I think we always see from CCP is they tend to overregulate or underregulate. And then the pendulum swing from the other side is so rough that it like destroys everything that the other guys have done before. Like yeah. the ship, this ship is way too good. So we're going to nerf it so that it's not usable, not usable anymore. Well, you know, they or, wait or, until
0: or, something is a critical problem and then they overcorrect. Right. Right. They don't, they don't do it early. They, they, they never, ever I oh God, maybe once or twice in the last three years, have addressed the problem before it became a critical issue. They just, they wait and they drag their feet and they work on other things and I get it, but it's not, it's not healthy. They, they really just need somebody who's, uh,
1: I can't talk. Well, I uh, just, I think the, the, the problem is, is that, and, and, and I think the issue is they nerfed the hell out of these ships. It I mean, if you look at the, at the, at the, at the, the nerfs, the Titans that we've seen nerfs, the supers that we've seen over the years, you had, Surgical strike that cut their EHP almost in half. Now, some of that was rolled back, but not all of it. You've, you saw the removal of Haw guns. You saw nerfs to fighter uh, application. You saw nerfs to fighter speed. You saw nerfs to uh, supers being able to lock things. You, the sino changes were a big nerf to these ships because now you have to have a separate character that, that, that has a sino to, to save your ass. You can't just put it on the ship itself all all of these changes were made and then they also went about not just making them less useful but then they went about the scarcity changes that made them harder to harder to get and harder to build yeah so it's 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 literally kicking you when you're already down and that's that's what CCP tends to do they won't just do one thing and see if like a small change and see if that works if they decide they're going to nerf something they're going to nerf it into the ground and that's what they've done with supers and titans so the result is these ships aren't used and that sucks it sucks for people like me that own them. It sucks for people uh, like my a lot of my friends at Karma Fleet who are brand new who are like, hey, I want to go. These ships are really cool. I, I mean, it's one of the guys in the chat said, have you ever seen a CCP advertisement <laughs> that didn't have a Titan in it? Mm-hmm. You know, But when are you going to see one of those on the field? Like, yeah. I can't tell you. I'll tell you, there are probably not a, lot, not a ton of people left in the game, or at least not a ton of people now playing. I can say they've seen these used in anger. Like it's just, it's the difference well, between going to see a museum ship or going to see a ship that actually fights. Right. And if if the only thing you know of Titan is good for is bridging, that's a shame. But that's yeah. how it is. So I, I sincerely hope that in whatever CCP does over the next couple of years, that they look at the numbers of these ships that are dying, they look at their usage numbers, and they recognize there's a problem and they need to put some resources into fixing it. Mm -hmm. And I think the easiest thing to do would be to roll back some of the changes that involve like adding a bunch of really expensive, hard to get parts to these ships, including (gasps) wormhole gas. Because God knows, you know, when they went and made this change, they were trying, we're trying to help wormholers diversify their income because you fucking people need more money, right? Right, Mark, Mr. Blue Loot, you guys need more money. You need more special stuff that you can only get in wormholes to sell, Right. Come on. I Go think ahead. that
0: Go ahead. every ecosystem benefits from a certain amount of diversity. Uh, I think that the they just need to realize that people want to fly the big ships. Like they just they want to do it. They really they really want to do it. They want to fly the big ships. Like one of the biggest complaints that we've been that I have been trying to address within my own sphere is how few dreadnoughts there are out in wormhole space these days now it's gotten a little bit better in some cases people are using them in fights again but just in general they just they they went away for a while and they've they're not nearly at where they were in years past and that's like that, those are our supers right because we can't get any bigger than that so finding ways to encourage people to fly the big ships means people want to go out and kill the big ships and the exact same fucking thing applies with supers and titans like people that like you have you have cool things in the game give people a reason to fly the cool things in the game and that like it's very easy to say oh people should just be inspired by their own ambition to go fly the cool things in the game except the numbers don't work like angry mustache could could explain this a lot better than i can but fact of the matter is they're just not worth it. There's, there's no point. Why would you undock a Titan if you didn't? I can
1: buy 50 dreads for the cost of a Titan and I have a better chance of using those dreads and I have things to use them for. I can use yeah. them to run crab beacons. And that was one of the, th- well, I, the crab beacons thing to me is one of those things that upsets me the most because this was an idea that myself and a couple others had pushed for a while was give Titans and Supers and other capital ships an anomaly or some kind of specific ratting site that's for them for them to fly, to get them into space so mm-hmm. that people that have them can use them and that's so that people that hunt them can hunt them. And we asked for this. And I was excited with the crab beacons because I thought, great, they're finally doing it. We can use Titans and Supers to run these. And you know what? They've been out for two years. One, they're still too expensive. The Horde guys will tell you right away they're always complaining about how expensive they are given the amount of money that they generate. Yep. And two... You run them in dreads and carriers, but I'll tell you the best ship to run a crab beacon, the wall. That's how we do it in goons. You run your crab beacons in an asteroid belt so that your, your wall can panic and, the, and a, and a, a fleet can come save you because if you're running crab beacons anywhere in our space, because we have NPC space near us that you can dread bomb from mm-hmm. if You're running them in carriers or you're running them in uh, dreads. A black ops gang will kill your ass faster than any response fleet can get to you. So we run them in work That's it. That's not what they were designed for. They weren't designed for that. You know, so what I want to see, and I still would like, can we get something to use Titans and supers for now that we have it before? It's frustrating to me that, we're still years later talking about this. Cause I feel like this has been a perennial problem and mm-hmm. it's not getting resolved. And I would like to say, I'd like to thank and welcome all of our friends from karma Fleet who to have figured out that we are <laughs> live on the 39 P <laughs> undock here, uh, and have started bringing their ships out to, to, to park themselves in front of my, uh, my pod, which is sitting uh-huh. on the Keepstar. star.
0: Kasner has some cool ideas about this.
1: Does he? Yeah, he does.
0: Okay. I. I, you know, I, this is this is uh, people are going to give me a hard time about this because I'm throating goons or whatever. But uh, the
1: election's over. You can be nice to me for another yeah, at least eight months, and
0: then you can start being mean. Cass has some really good ideas about this. Uh, I'm I I would be excited to see uh, some of those those put into practice. So it just it so much of it depends on whether or not CCP is going to be willing to address the things that actually exist in the game instead of trying to push new stuff which isn't to say that new stuff, isn't cool. Like the new ships and stuff. all oh, cool. I like it, but like you should be able to do both. You should try and endeavor to do both. Uh, but they have not done that. So.
1: That is true. Yeah. That, that poor vexer just got pushed off by a material. I uh, saw that. Was, that was, was rough. Funny. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we're at basically at the end of the show. Let me tell you, uh, the next week coming up, uh, Obviously, we will have a number of shows on INN. It's going to be fun. We will have... Meta Show will be back next Saturday in the middle of FanFest. Why? Because we're not going. Mark and I are both here. They could have flown so us out. They could have. They, they could, could have, have flown have. us out if they wanted us there. But they could
0: have. You know what they could yeah. have done? If what you what want to talk about just free advertising, they could, could have, have flown done? our ass out and set up a little booth there in the uh, in the convention center, or whatever or wherever it's at, and we could have done the meta show live from FanFest at FanFest in the zone with all their stuff up in the background, but they didn't.
1: And uh, and and like I said, uh, you know, last year we had player player folks that were part of the team that was doing a live stream, and I guess they're not doing that this year. I guess uh, mm-hmm. I must have ruined it for everybody by being too honest last year. <laughs> during the uh, those sections, me and Frost. Um, so FanFest will be this weekend. We will have things to talk about. There will obviously be a keynote uh, that Saturday afternoon. Uh, I believe it will be after the show. It might've be before the show. If not, we'll, we'll talk about it. Obviously we'll know who the CSM members are. Cause we'll find out on Friday. So we can talk about that. Uh, and we will see what happens in Eve during this week. We'll find out, but Mm -hmm. A number of other things we could have got to this week. We were going to talk about Singularity being shut down. I think that's, you know, that goes without saying, obviously something that's going to impact a number of players who'd like to use it for testing. Uh, Mm -hmm. We were going to talk about the Jovian Gates and some of the changes that were already made to them. We still don't know what those are for. I assume we will find out at FanFest. And I will say this, I am looking very much forward to FanFest because I think one of the last things that I worked on one of my last wish list items is going to be revealed at FanFest. And I'm looking forward to seeing that uh, on the red big dot screen two. with everybody, the red dot part two, right? So mm, there we go. I'm all looking right. forward to seeing that uh, when, when CCP gets around to it. So from all of us here at the meta show, thanks for coming back. We're back on our normal schedule. We will be here next week. And I don't foresee at least in the, in the mean, in the short term, anytime we're going to have any major changes, uh, so you can count on us being here twenty hundred eve, twenty one or twenty hundred eve until the time change, four mm-hmm. PM Eastern Freedom Time. I am Bris Ball. joined alongside Mark Resurrectus. Thanks for watching everybody and you stay classy. New Eden.